Yo, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, A.L. Newton, and you're tuned in for another episode of A New Perspective. I'm so glad that you started your week or found some time in your week to listen to The Old Perspective. And tonight, today, I have one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Um, a lot of people, so a lot of people don't realize that outside of Asia, my sister, that I have actually five sisters that are biological, not to count my sisters from church, not to count my cousins who are like my sisters. And so this particular person, whenever I share their pictures on Twitter and boost their head up or share <laughs> it on Snap and add her to my Snap story, you all would be shocked the number of people who hop in my inbox and tell me it's inappropriate for me to be sharing this other woman. And I'd be like, that's my cousin. That's like my first god <laughs> sister. That is um, a Life. lot of things. Excited <laughs> to have Clayon on. Clayon, tell the people hello. Hi. I'm super excited. It's been a minute and I've been asking to talk with you. So I'm excited you made time for me. Oh gosh, make time. You're the favorite <laughs> one. Um, oh yeah, very. And so I'm excited. We almost got into perspective level conversations without even recording. So let's first start off talking about you. Let's let's do that and then we'll get to some of the uh, nitty gritty. So who are you? Who is Clayon Wilson? Define her. This is such a terrible question. And it's not terrible. It's just, you know, you know who you are. And then when people ask you, you're like, I don't even know what I do every day. Like, because I do so much. But I would say a sister, occasional girlfriend. Um, occasional coach. girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you dibble and dabble. Coach, uh, friend, just somebody who like, you know, I love dogs, deal with dogs, deal with people every day. I don't know. That's a lot of things. It's oh, a terrible question for me. I so, you, you said a daughter or you said a, a sister but you are a daughter I love your parents like absolutely yeah. positively you have um, some of the best parents in the world that they could put on a seminar on relationships because both of your parents are authentic in who they are oh for and they sure. both have huge personalities and made that work yeah um I've had a number of, uh, when I think back to my wedding a number of people say they were going to come. They didn't come. I think about um, Aaron Randolph drove from Louisiana to be there. Um, mm -hmm. My mom's childhood best friend drove down from Georgia to be there. But your parents drove from Miami, came to the wedding to mm -hmm. drive back because they had something to do and did a six-hour drive, full wedding reception with some of the last people to leave, tried to help clean up, and drove back. Oh, and the and tour doing that like your daddy was the flyest person dressed at the wedding so um <laughs> tell me about your parents what 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 do your parents mean to you what do you see when you look at them um I guess my parents to me are like the end all be all you know they my dad as I get older I talk to him so much more than I did when I was younger because he's really trying to guide me through a bunch of you know relationship stuff and just what I need to be doing with my life and my mom. I mean, you know, that's my girl. So, I mean, I, I get so many responses from people when they mention them and like, you know, they're my parents. So I don't see them in that light sometimes, but then you learn more when you talk to people and you see how they might've been when they were younger and stuff. And it's just like, oh, dang, like I really do got a cool pair of parents, you know, like I, I wouldn't even want nobody else to be my parents. So especially Klarinsky, that guy. I've never seen your dad not crack a joke, even in the most serious and somber of situations. At any funeral, he's going to yeah. laugh. Like, he's going to laugh. I've seen your mama mad when I was little, <laughs> and it was scary. Um, but now, even now, she's, yes. Um, <laughs> but now, not so much. But she used to, now your mama could cuss. Don't don't get don't let she's, that Loretta and that Maddie come out here at the same time. She's retired oh. now. They call her. They'll be like, you know, Antoinette would be like, you know, you know, Maddie, she running their veins, so it's gonna come out. But as she's gotten older, so much more chill. 
I think it's, you know, as you get older, you probably don't want to do all that rah-rah anymore. You know, you probably just want to relax because you did so much of it when you were younger. But. Well, she's a she's a whole grandma out here, but just, just sure. the combination of genes that she had from Uncle Bernard and then obviously uh, the, the bedrock Lisa. legend, Matt Hood, yeah. who is Miss <laughs> Loretta, who was Miss Loretta. Mm-hmm. And so your mom ain't had no choice but to be like a firecracker. Yeah. Those two right but there, see, definitely characters. But see, you don't have that in you. Like you got some some fake grill ghetto in you. <laughs> you got some like clown and joke, but you're you you've still found your own niche. You and your brothers all found your own niche, even with having parents with such a big personality. Yeah, I think when you have parents with a big personality, you have no other choice because the immediate comparison is like, you know, you acting just like your mom or you acting just like your dad. So, you know, you say I don't have that streak, but it it comes out a little bit more in other ways, but no, not as strong. Once you have people that do that naturally, you kind of just look at it and you're like, oh, I'm all right. <laughs> it, it, I don't ever want to get there. So um, you went to Dillard, right? Yes. Let's talk about your HBCU experience. Because most of the time I hear people talk about HBCUs. I hear FAMU. I hear BCC. I'm so, ooh, I'm get cussed out. BCU. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> how was your HBCU experience? Oh, boy. Um, I was in New Orleans. So people will be like, Dillard, isn't that the high school um, down south? And I'm like, no, ma'am. Like. <laughs> No, I appreciate you, but that's not us. We're in New Orleans. Um, Beautiful city, beautiful culture. We didn't have a football team. So, you know, like, but we've got the Saints, Tulane. You got Southern up the road in BR. Just a wonderful experience. And I went to a PWI first. So, like, I got the best of both. But I would definitely, I, I would have gone to an HBC first if I had the opportunity. Most definitely, like the the type of family atmosphere you get, just the type of camaraderie you have once you get there, like it, it's it's almost like being in a black church. Like it's the same things over and over. Like everybody can relate to it once you go. But I so, would recommend it every time go to HBCU every time. So, because you coach, right? Yes. And you coach volleyball. Vo- mm-hmm. Right, because you you play volleyball, collegiate athlete, right? Yes, sir. Um, let me, I can't tell that story about volleyball on perspective that'll get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't appreciate volleyball enough when I was in high school. You, you know, got, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> right. There were some gems looking back on the volleyball team. You should have been there. There were some, yeah, I should have I went to some volleyball games. You know, okay? you should have like really, you know, you really should have attempted to get in that arena, you know? Listen, I, um. I was in a conference in Clemson, South Carolina. This is no lie. And they were putting on a volleyball camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sitting there, 40, 50 men sitting there. And this is misogynistic and trash to say, but sometimes men are misogynistic and trashy. Um, and we were sitting, I was like, what is going on? Right. <laughs> and I'm just looking and the short shorts everywhere. And then, so, of course, we had a, an inquisitive, inappropriate question, and one of the dudes at the table asked, and I was like, oh, I should have been going to volleyball games. Like, I should have been, like, okay, all right. At the time, maybe the love of my life played volleyball. Okay, I need to make up. So, that's a horrible segue. As a coach, when you're coaching, what is that like first trying to get somebody on a volleyball, I'll get somebody that plays volleyball and offer, and then coaching them through – the getting ready for college experience because what you being what 27 28 you're still relatively close yeah to, i'm to still relatively close in age to them so they a lot of times we get a little confused because they're thinking you know because i know what's going on they're like oh we're buddies and besties and it's like we're really not so remember that and but but it also helps me too to be able to talk to them in certain ways because an older coach sometimes doesn't they don't hit that mark and then, you know, I'm able to kind of get in there and see what's really going on and kind of decipher their lives. Because, you know, for that age group, they're thinking everything is such a big deal. And, you know, they don't know they have a lifetime of like mistakes to be making, you know, and experiences to be going through. And 
preparation now to go to college is so crazy because there's so many ways you can go to school, you know, and um, it, it's not anymore just going to play high school ball. It, it's playing club. It's going to certain schools. It's it's talking to certain people. And, and there's so many schools now, you know, it used to be I only want to go D1 or I only want to go to this specific school. And now it's like, you know, every school and every conference and every level has a badass team. And, you know, everybody has an opportunity to get there. So my main focus when I'm dealing with kids and coaching them and trying to get them there is first off, you know, the mindset, because, you know, kids now are very susceptible and you got to fight social media with them and you got to fight just, uh, just other outside things that, you know, we might not have dealt with when we were growing up, but you have to be aware of that and you have to navigate them through. So yeah, it's definitely preparation is in the mind for them. And that's what I spend most of my time doing, like just talking and just the basics. So hopefully that answers you a little bit. So as a, because I've known you since you were born. Yes, um, really, you I have. Can, I literally have. Um, <laughs> watching you develop, because you're developing into adult womanhood. Yes. Um, what What is that like? Because I think a lot of times people assume we know um what women are going through or what women are thinking are a lot of my wise tales about women come from my grandmama and my mama and they are yeah. their ages but what mm -hmm. are what is it somebody in our age demographic what what are the what are the struggles you see in your transition into um because you have been in meetings with big people um mm -hmm. you've been a part of big decisions um you have a, an impactful job in your area what is that like for you as a um, young black woman, you can put the young as a young woman, as a black woman, as a woman, whatever spin it is. What what is that? What are some of the challenges you see, and what are what are some of the the things that excite you on your journey right now? Okay, that's okay. That's a good way to end that up. I was like, that's a lot. Um, I would say the journey, and I and I really hate to say it, but it, it's actually uh, it's actually very very hard. I would say being a woman is very, very hard. And it's hard because sometimes everybody's experience is different. And, and sometimes as a woman, you're not communicating with everybody what's going on with you. So sometimes you don't have that guidance on certain matters, but it's also an exciting time too, because you're, you're basically building your life up. You're basically, you know, you're navigating, you're trying things out, you're trying to see what's going on. You're learning, you're having experiences, you're having relationships. But, you know, my first thought when you said like, how is it being, you know, a woman is like trash, like utmost trash sometimes. Like, you know, Ooh, you're not expound getting- Expound on that, why? I, I need like you to, to, a, to expound on that. I, I, I won't speak for everybody, I'll speak for me in a sense. Like, you know, I'm coming out of, a couple of years ago, you're coming out of college and you're going from being around so many people going through the same experiences and if you are like me, someone who is kind of, I don't have sisters. So when I transitioned out, all my friends are all over the place and you're just alone. And you're, you're navigating that aloneness of being an adult because everybody's going on their separate paths. So then it's like, you know, there are a lot of positives that are going on, but it's more negatives when you first intro into it. And you're not prepared for that part. Like you think you leave school and you're like, man, you know, I didn't got this degree or whatever you have. And you're thinking, oh, this is going to be easy peasy. And it's not. And sometimes as a woman, like, especially if you're in like sports arena, it's, it's definitely 10 times harder, you know, because you're, you're dealing with men in a certain capacity and you have to navigate them and you have to navigate people thinking you might not be adequate at something that you know how to do. So, I mean, that's, that's trash for me dealing with those pitfalls, but on the flip side, it's, it's a blessing to be independent and to make your own money and to be able to go out and do things that might interest you. So while there are a lot of negatives, there are definitely, definitely more positives, if anything. Okay. So you said you are a part-time girlfriend or sometime girlfriend, right? <laughs> That's what you said. So yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> let's, let's, because we were talking about 
beforehand. I think it's a great conversation to have, especially with it really is. It really is. Um, especially one that people can't accuse me of flirting with because my mama swear I will flirt with anybody no matter what color it's they just are. The, it's just the charm. It's just the it's, charm. It's, That's it's, it. Uh, right. So this is <laughs> so you were why are you single? Can I ask you that? Is that appropriate? Why are you single? I I I would say that I'm single because of where I live at. And I would also say because the scheduling does not permit for me to, you know, appropriately date and grow with someone. Because um, I've had to keep a lot of N-words off of you. Oh, speaking of that, we got an N-word we need to talk about. See, because people be coming back and telling me you little business. Uh-huh. On my little business. <laughs> uh-huh. You little business. Just like I do about the one thing and came across because people come tell me you business. So um, we were talking about, can you be friends with an ex? And like I said, it's it depends on who your ex is. Why? Because I'm friends with every one of my exes. And people tell me all the time, Nicole is a better woman than them because there's no way in hell you could be friends with. But every I, I, ex... I'm very amicable with people I've spoken to or talked to. Like, it's not hard for me to do that because I'm an honest person with them. And I've never, I've never been a liar when it came to like how things might've gone or I try to have honest conversations and, you know, like move forward. And I feel like once you have another girlfriend, like it's very easy to talk to you because now I don't, like, you're not my, you're not my concern. And I think it becomes a problem when people can't deal with their ex when there's a lot of lies involved or you guys just fell out horribly. But I mean, it's, it's a case by case basis for me. Like some dudes I would probably never speak to again, just because whatever. Then there's some that I can, you know, like, Hey man, are you, how are you? Like, is everything good? And it's, it's an easy conversation, but it honestly just depends. Sounds like a cop out to me. It's not a cop out. Like, can I be friends with my exes? Yeah, like, if I want to. So okay, but could your man be friends with his exes? I I think as I've gotten older and I see that, you know, like there's really nothing there. Yes, it, it's possible. I, I I could let it go because at the end of the day, like somebody else came before you and they might have had more time with that person. So you're gonna tell somebody, sorry, bro, like that's dead. If, it, if it's, it's a trust thing, I believe, then at that point, too, because it's like, you, I mean, what, what's stopping him from being a friend if he has no, no dealings with him like that? You know, like, it's just an easy conversation. But when it gets, like, super personal, where, like, you know, they calling you for everything or, like, they can't even, like, you know, function without you, then, yeah, I got a problem with it, for sure. But listen, all my exes, Uncle Newt still love you. <laughs> Oh, I'm, on, God. I'm on Snapchat every day. I miss y'all so much. <laughs> Uncle Newt still love y'all. I ain't get back with none of y'all because all y'all bat hell crazy. Um, That'd be the thing too. People, that. people are, that's the thing too. People are crazy. Like, like you could be as a person norm, in your normal mind, like, oh yeah, like we're cool. But that person is thinking we're still together. Like, I still have access to them. That's where it gets mixed up because people don't have the same idea of, of amicable. So I think that's where it really goes left. That part. They think they, they think they can send you that text at 2.30 in the morning. Be yeah, like, hey, like, I need to talk. Yeah. yeah, like, no, you can't tell. Them. I mean, you can, but it's like, come on, what the next person's supposed to think? Like, if you got a, a wife, like, what's she supposed to think? You texting somebody at 2.30, like, boundaries, boundaries. That's what it is, boundaries yikes so but would, that's, that's interesting I so <laughs> i literally just got back from a, a boys weekend um mm-hmm. worked <laughs> seven worked seven days straight 10 11 12 hours went to mm-hmm. orlando friday saturday got up early this morning to be back in time for church and work work and now we're doing the perspective so i'm tired but one of the conversations that came up when we're talking about um people in the room were talking about considering marriage and things of that nature. And I made the comment and I believe it. 
and this will be the episode Nicole listens to. She normally doesn't listen. Uh, <laughs> she listened to this one. That you don't end up marrying the person you love the most. I've heard that before. I've actually heard that, especially because, with men. I've heard that. Right, because the person you love the most was the most toxic thing in your life. <laughs> Ooh, I can go along with that. And so, what do, what do you think about it? Not marrying, I and and I, ooh, I shouldn't say that for me personally. But when in the conversation, because the single people were asking the married people how you ended up married and would you do it again and blah 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 blah. And my advice to everybody is wait until you absolutely know because marriage is not what it looks like, what it seems like, what it sounds like. Oh no, not <sighs> at all. Um, it has its, it definitely has its ebbs and its flows. What are your thoughts on when you finally do say I do, it not being the person you loved the most? I think that's kind of, that's kind of sad. Like, like why would I not get married to the person I love the most? You know, like I, I get what you're saying that that happens. But they don't reply back to your DMs. You understand? Like, <laughs> I feel like that, that would be a horrible marriage. Like, something. I've noticed that some people marry people who are who are good for them in the way that like you know they might take care of them or what they provided, but at the end of the day, like you might want to go with the person you really have that fire for because all you wind up doing is doubling back out, or you try to create that person that you married into that person that you really love the most. No, no, no. You just sit up there and say what if because the person you love you the most might have been instead of just going with the person you wanted to be with. See, no. now, because we're recording, I'm going to get myself in trouble. But this is the perspective. I'll be real. I married the right person. Yes, yes. Okay, that makes more sense to me. Yes, you that, married the that, right person. I, I married the right person. So the right, right person, person is not the person you love the most? You're not going to get me on record to say I'm that not, I don't I'm, love my wife. That's, a, that's no. a question. That's just a question. That's um, a question. That's not for you. That's just in general. Because, like, dang, in, that sucks. In general, most men that I know that are married or even in long-term relationships there's one person out there that they were like that's the that was the person yeah that's just every every, everybody I know is like this one person no but even and some of them went for it or some of them were there and were like yeah no like I'm a happy like that it didn't but some people I know is like if we got together we'd have beat the hell out of each other or if we'd have got together I might have drove them off a bridge or if yeah. we'd have got together, we'd have been, and we see people get married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced yeah. to the same person. Yeah, I think that's, that's crazy as hell, but. Yeah, I've um, seen that happen. Every time they grow a little bit, they get back together. And then they'd be like, oh, I remember why I divorced <laughs> you in the first place. I can't stand the way you fold these damn towels. <laughs> um, folding, the way you fold towels can mess up a relationship. I, I believe that because I don't like when people come in my house and they dirty it up. Like, why are you doing that as a grown person? So I can understand the towel thing. But see, I, and I shouldn't say this as the preacher because I've been. I, I mean, but it's the preacher. perspective. So it's say the something. perspective. Um, I believe in shacking. Like living together without you, being married. I believe you should. Oh God, I can't take that back once I said it. But I believe you should live with the person that you're going to that you think you want to be with. Because that's I think you totally... should see how it flows. You should see how it flows. Right. The, Even to see if the way you a person it out maybe four days a week or something. Like just see how it feels to wake up next to them and go through a day with them. How how clean are they really in real? Because I tell people all the time. Because you don't I'm, know. Out of out of and in my marriage, I'm definitely the neater person. Yeah. Like everything has a spot, but Nicole is much cleaner than I could ever be. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so yeah. you never know till you live with a person how they really function. Yeah, that's and true. So. No, I, I don't think you should not do that part of it because there's a process. And I think you have to see that because imagine you get together and you close quarters and everything just goes to crap because you can't stand how they sleep or make up the bed. So, or don't make up the bed. Yeah. Like, and some people do that. They just live in crazy (laughs) so we were talking about how cool your parents are what did you think of the whole kirk franklin thing i think kirk went very light compared to my mom and dad 
because I've, I've had those conversations with my parents where I might have said something and it's it's turned very fast. <laughs> so I think he could have went a little harder because you're 33 years old. Why are you even recording your father having a conversation with you, you know? Like, what was your reason? And I think yeah. about my dad and I'm like, hmm, Clarence, he would have, he would have took it up through there. So. <laughs> you're, you're 33. You're asking for money because you don't want to work. And because I don't just give you money, you tell me I mistreat. Oh, let me tell you something. I know safe folk ain't supposed to cuss. There's a lot of things safe folk ain't I supposed wish, to do. I wish people would stop saying safe folks not supposed to do things. Because end of the day, like, yeah, you're saved. What does I'm, what is that done for anybody? What has it I'm, done? I'm saved by grace and I need new mercy every single day. <laughs> I'm glad you say that because because <laughs> had I been hurt, it would have been I, so terrible. It'd have been it'd have been <laughs> so much. Sometimes I say things worse than Kurt. Like I you know, it's like, man, you really got off easy because wow, like like who do you think you are right or wrong like what what made you think that was okay to do but you know they said that those two have a toxic relationship but i mean people use that toxic um mentality to to egg on and be a little bit more destructive than they need to be so i think he could have went a little harder most definitely you're you're a grown person asking me for money when i probably gave you every tool to get money and this is what you want to do so i yeah, I'm in full agreement. Sometimes you need to cuss out your kids. <laughs> Sometimes you need to cuss out your kids just to cuss them out. Sometimes like I, <laughs> I, I call Jordan the, in there and I just ready. look at them <laughs> and look at them until I find something to cuss about. Just so you know that if you ever decide you want to get with me, I'm going to get with you. I love you. I, I pray for you. I respect you. I'm going to treat you like a human it, it's being. Like, but... It's like coaching for me. Like we can't, I can't curse at them, but sometimes you really have to say some things and make them think like, who do you think you are? Like, why, why I, do you think that? <laughs> why do you think that's okay? Uh, I used to, uh, I used to cuss on, on, or well, I mean, I still cuss, but I, during football practice, I would never cuss during the game because I'm one of those coaches that believe that if I'm having to yell and scream during the game, oh, and I didn't do my it's right. It's too far gone. It's too right. far. If you got to do all that. During practice, and I would make the statement long, such and such pay me, I'm a I'm volunteer. I don't care if your mom and daddy listening. I'm a volunteer. School board got to come get my paper. <laughs> and uh, one of one you can't of even uh, say those things anymore. You can't even say things to kids anymore. Who can't see? That's why I didn't. I no, wouldn't be a teacher. Like, that's been my struggle. That's as a as an early like a new coach. That has been the struggle, like learning how to talk to kids, because my like my coaches, they weren't disrespectful in a sense, but they did not sugarcoat. And that really, like, that mentality did not transfer over to the majority. So you really have to play pussycat all the time. You know, like, you don't get to just speak. It's always got to be a thought of how are they going to receive this or is somebody's parent going to come out here and come get me? That's frustrating. Like, I'm glad. I think maybe as a male, you get to kind of, like, be more aggressive. But, oh, my gosh. You can barely breathe to women. Barely. I wish one of them, I had a parent one time after a game say something to me and uh, long live TC and, and shout out to Ryan for making me shut up. Sometimes you, I was like, you can't stop. You can't stop what you put there. I, 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 don't give a, I don't give a damn about you. I don't give a damn about little Billy. I don't give a damn. The best <laughs> 11 will play. Okay. And if we was losing, only the best 11 will play. And that's just, I don't know. I, I, I that's always been my mentality the best people will play but you know now when you know when you, you have kids playing paying to play sports it's everybody and I, I'm not a, a believer in that I think if whoever's the rawest gets on the field and that's not a mentality everybody keeps now it's kind of like if they're playing paying they need to get all on the court and I'm like if I'm up maybe but if we down, right. I'm, not, I'm not doing that. So you might as well go ahead and just cancel we gotta that be, thought. We got to be <laughs> up enough that I'm not that even slightly right. right. <laughs> right. If the next team scored three or four, I'd be like, cool. 
And even then, like, I've had people had to tap me and say, like, coach, you need to put so-and-so in. And I'm like, dang, we up 25. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm still, like, thinking we three and two, like, you know? So, yes. I'm glad that you're able to cuss. Everybody's not able. If you need me to stop by some volleyball practices and cuss, uh, I shouldn't be bragging about cuss. Sometimes you have to just, like, lose it. Sometimes you have to really just get out there and lose your, like, you have to lose it for them to kind of see, like, oh, they actually serious. Because they don't, they don't think that. It's weird. It's very weird. So I it's guess a it's, whole nother generation, because we're, I don't like saying I'm a millennial because I was born in 1990, but I'm genuinely a millennial. You're a millennial. This mm-hmm. Gen Z and this generation after Gen Z is different. Oh, very, very different. It, uh, like, I'm almost shocked some days. I'm like, how, how did this fly? Like, like what are y'all doing with y'all time? What's going on? So what, what has been the biggest difference and thing that has stand out to you, especially as a woman dealing with young adolescent females? And like, what, what has been the biggest difference between millennial and Gen Z to you? The conversations conversations are much different. I didn't really talk about too much with adults. And, you know, I've got kids that, that talk to me as if we're, there is no separation. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because they should be able to speak, you know, their minds in certain arenas, but you know, it's the conversations and the things that they do and the things that they're so exposed to so early. You know, I got 14, 13, 12, you know, they might tell me like, you know, I like so-and-so, you know, I've had this conversation about being bisexual. And, and that was like the biggest shocker to me, like actually hearing that. And I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even think about all that until like, you know, way down the road. So I'm, I'm always shocked by our conversations because they're exposed so much. And they're so, I mean, the, the team isn't that big. So it's not like everybody doesn't know what's going on with everybody. Yeah. And I'm not even like, yeah, like if we're talking about teams, like, yeah, like you can narrow it down, but it's just like, you know, they just talk and I just listen sometimes. And I've had to learn how to like, just not say anything. Like you just put it in the back of your mind that that's going on, but you don't really address it unless it gets to be crazy. Yeah. That, I don't, I just think the, the, <laughs> when I just think overall mindset, like not because we were entitled generation two we felt entitled there are certain things we feel like we should have had but this one but this this is (laughs) this group here it's a different type of entitlement way different it you know we might have been entitled to have a new pair of shoes or something or like maybe i don't know just something real simple that doesn't matter like but maybe because i grew up poor yeah, like, and I didn't realize how, how poor I really grew up, but and it's not because my mama didn't work, I'm a home bust her ass. But like, I used to like going to Payless and getting like light up shoes and stuff. I feel Listen, like I these have big kids, feet. Not, I have big feet, so there was no other way. So I feel like I, if you took a kid now to go get some light up shoes, like a kid 10, 11, no, they they're gonna tell you like, they want Jordans. I can't even tell you the difference in the Jordans, and I get I don't buy shoes because. People go and buy all these shoes, what the ones, the nines, whatever the hell Jordan be selling y'all. And my mama will pull out a picture. I just said I grew up poor, but this is true. My mama will pull out a picture and I'm wearing these shoes when I was two or three. Of the so Jordan? Like, yeah. And I'm like, why do y'all keep that buying happened, That happened stuff? to Sean. He had a picture like that too. And I was like, well, well, dang, we already was wearing them. We just didn't think of it as a big deal. Like, we just didn't think it was that serious, but. It's very serious now. And I think that's a parent issue. I think I, I would blame parents for that a lot of the time. Like, cause your kids really don't know those things unless you kind of make it important. Like, yeah, the outside world will make it important. But if your parents don't enforce that, then it's kind of like, you know, it's not as strong of a need. But I would say with this generation, it's, if you're older, if you're coaching or you're just dealing with them, their parents are going to be your biggest fight. Like, cause you know, they might have grew up like us, poor, but the kids didn't get that that sense of, you know, Listen, uh, like God, it, it, it did not transfer down. <laughs> if God ever blesses me with some little Anthony's, they are going to be the Walmart Payless king <laughs> or queen 
And I'm like, I just don't get it. You buy these kids outfits that you don't want them to get dirty and then complain that kids don't know how to be kids. Go buy these kids something cheap that they can run around, get some grass stains in. But they're not they doing wear it because they're they on their phones. So they're not really outside. But if you didn't have a phone, God, what is the, the people that used to live or they <laughs> might still live next to your, your grandma's house? that fence and we used to try to sneak over the fence because it was kid over there and we used to try to play with them you know what i'm talking about i know what you're talking about because they're still there and i'm like like that family is still there but you don't see kids they probably grown now but why like kids don't do that anymore like we were literally trying to and then one time we got over there and had this like full-blown play session and then everybody was pissed that we were playing together i don't even remember the backstory i just remember one day we actually made it over the fence to go play those were good times I, I like going out to my grandma's house in the country because it does remind me of being a kid and it is different, you know? I don't think kids have those moments anymore where they can really just be outside and nobody bother them or all this extra stuff they got to do. So that's a good segue. You were, you were unique. I think if I think off the top of my head, you grew up in a two-parent household. Mm-hmm. Um, both of your, you, you saw both of your grandmothers and um, long-term yep. long-term marriages relationships do you feel pressured by that to have a long-term relationship to, yeah to like make it work to keep that legacy rolling or I don't, do you I, feel I don't, empowered have, I don't to, have the pressure to make it work I've been taught and told if it doesn't work get out of it you know and I don't think of it as like a cop-out get out of it but as like a if you're doing more talking and things aren't being solved, don't beat a dead horse because you've seen enough examples of trying to make stuff work when it really shouldn't have worked, when you really should have just pulled out early. So I don't, I don't have that pressure. You know, I might have some people that might say, well, why haven't you brought so-and-so or why, why are you not X, Y, and Z? But it's like, if you look around at everybody, I, you don't see too many people super happy. You know, they settled so much. And, and what was going on and now it's just like you know a convenience to be with each other I'm not I'm not gonna be with somebody just because it's a convenience like I want to be with somebody and that's it you know we we hear and we make it work and, it, and it's a loving relationship so but see no. our our generation doesn't believe in settling period um millennials will jump job to job oh, to job yeah, you should city to city Person, you should. You should, not be, you should not be bogged down anywhere. You should be able to go. I was like that. I remember I went to Connecticut, 18 years old, all the way out there. And I remember people saying, well, why, why would you go that far? My parents didn't tell me to stay. They didn't say you had to be close to me. I need you to need to see you every day. They were like, get the hell out. So I went as far as I could. So yes, we, we should be able to go anywhere we want to go. If you can go, I'm a firm believer in that. Go as far so if as you can. got a if you got a job offer offer in Seattle right now, you go. If I it's have the no right ties. opportunity. Yeah, I have no ties, no kids. You know, like who am I leaving? I'm by myself. You leaving me? Can't leave me. You could always come. Tis true. Tis Nicole true. Nicole can come too. Whoever you want to bring can come. But I, I I do think you shouldn't be afraid to do that. And I think some people's parents scared them into staying close or you won't be able to afford that or you won't be able to do that and sometimes you can't think about that like I, every place i've ever gone to i just went when i went to new orleans i just went no plan i remember i think i said i've never been to louisiana and i love boosie and that's why i went <laughs> <laughs> that was literally the conversation i had <laughs> and people were like are you serious i'm like i, I literally said that i love boosie and webby I never been to um, Louisiana, and I and I'm go go, and that was it. So, what's your favorite Boosie song? Uh, Superfly, and that's an old song. Like, yeah, that's an old old club song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your what's your favorite Webby song? There's so many. Oh my god, bounce that. Bounce that out. Oh, right. <laughs> no, I'm need a better, no more. I need it. 
that's my favorite Wemby song. That's my favorite Wemby song. Sometimes Uh-oh. I just miss it. Like, you know, just miss hearing those beats. Like, just, I just miss being outside when I listen to them. Because I'm like, man, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> yeah, no. I will I will randomly say, bounce that up! <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, that's just, that is my favorite Wemby song. And uh, They Dyking is my favorite uh Oh, God. You remember they played it at your birthday? Oh, gosh. There are so many stories of, because one of my closest friends is a DJ. Mm-hmm. And so we would be in parties. And um, he knew there were two songs. There were three songs. Okay, yeah. maybe there were more. But there were definitely two that would make me go in. One, if he saw me true loving in the corner, he would play the full <laughs> version of uh, Panty Dropper. No. Yeah, the full version. The full, you got to get the full version because my knees was good and my back was good and like I would do all the whole, you know, yeah, in the party picking people having up. Having a show. Having a show. Yeah, whole, wholeheartedly putting a show. And then um, they dyking and he could play they dyking and I and it, it that song comes on and I instantly bop and you know you got to run it back. And so there was one day we were... It's got to be three times it ran back. Three. <laughs> DJ Superman. So listen, there was one time we're in this party and I'm standing up on the boards or whatever. And I'm like, okay, people in here know me. I'm at the party. They know I'm going to be out here. So I ain't going to really show out. And he played they dyking. I'm like, geezy. Was, he, 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 he messed with why? me. He, he's like, he he messed with me. He messed with me. And then, so when, it got to, show out. so when it got to the part, uh, and if Busu, and if I was, if Busu was a preacher, I'd marry y'all. And that boy <laughs> blanked it out and said, Uncle Newt is a preacher. He'll marry y'all. I said, Lord. Uh, I, I love, uh, but when I get married, they need to just go ahead and play that at my reception. And that's just gonna be Boosie and that. Flies <laughs> and Webby and a uh, real Lil Wayne with the lighter flick. Yes. Who wasn't losing dreads <laughs> and TI before him and Tiny were were drugging people. <laughs> you know, pre pre I can't believe they get in trouble for that. That's so crazy. I but you know that when you rap about it, at some point somebody's gonna say those raps are real. Like you were doing that for real. So well, I was I was in the group chat and we were talking about something and I couldn't even quote my favorite TI line. It has been a line I have lived by since I heard it. It is the gospel, it is still the gospel. Freak by choice, not force. I'll never be charged with a rape. If she say no, <laughs> I'm a letter be. <laughs> and to know that T.I. dropped that line of gold and him and Tiny out here <laughs> allegedly we won't say they are doing it because right. allegedly. allegedly allegedly um, I don't want to be on wax saying I said that yeah. allegedly uh, just like you keeping up with all this stuff with Deshaun Watson I did see that so what is, it, your, what is your opinion on the Deshaun Watson for those of you listening who don't know Deshaun Watson is a NFL quarterback, uh, is the quarterback of the Houston Texans. Um, and he has had like out of nowhere 12 20, uh, they said, 22. It's a, it's a lot of a massage therapist that says that he is that he sexually assaulted them. No criminal, um, no criminal charges, all civil suits. But the kicker is that. He does not want to play for the Texans. He wants to leave the Texans. He told them there's no way he's playing for them. And all of a sudden, the owner of the Texans' best friend is a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And he's got 20 people lined up to say Deshaun Watson did something wrong with them. What do you what do you what do you think? Is this one of those cases where what what do you think? I think it's a convenient time that it that that comes out. It's very convenient that at one time that he doesn't even know about it, you start getting all these allegations. But I think for men, it's usually set up that way. You know, like it'll take one person and all of a sudden it'll be a slew of of people start saying, yeah, that person did that. Yeah, that person did that. And I'm like, for me, especially when you like are in sports, at some point by maybe the third girl, you'll hear that they that that person is a creep. Like you'll hear it. And 
for it to be kind of like so calculated like here's our 20 people that said that you did this like and why you know that's always the question not to discredit them because i at the end of the day i'm not going to discredit all that because i don't know but i but i am going to ask why now that's my only question why now and, you know as a as a man who has grown and i hope this is received correctly there are times and instances that i can look back and realize that i made a woman uncomfortable you know that's a hard um, for men to have because they don't right. they don't think about that they don't think about it until somebody else says it and you're like oh my god like i i, I can i can think of hell sue me um, I was a picture sender, so I can think of all the unsolicited pictures that I sent because I thought it was flirting yeah. or um, some of the comments I said or some of just the bravado that I used. And as a man, I, it's not an excuse. I, I don't think we do a good job of identifying that those things are wrong. But that, that, that I've also learned, especially in my professional life, that there are things that um, have zero malice zero malintent zero um anything and can be taken the whole wrong way and i can agree with you there especially, especially sports it's it's a different type of conversation and i will not speak for other women in that because i grew up around boys you know four brothers there's some things i'm gonna listen to in here and it, it just goes off the top of my head you know but if I was in an outside circle, I might have to say that's completely out of pocket. So it is so many different ways it can be interpreted. You know, like you said they were all massage therapists. Yeah, that from whatever, they're all of them working massage parlors. So, I mean, it's, it could go many, many different ways. Like... It could have been banter. It could have been, you know, like something just slick that you said. You know, you never know how the next person takes it. You know, like some people have regular conversation and that's just how they talk normally. And some people who know that person can say, oh, that's just regular talk. And then you got and some people cannot, can't handle that at all. And I, that's why it's also important, I think, especially for Black professionals to have other Black people in the room because you can say something, uh, and I'm speaking from experience, you can say something that <laughs> in a room that only the black people get. Yeah, it, it, it's ha <laughs> it happens all the time. And if there's not another black person in the room, what you said could be taken. So crazy. Right. Or you can say something in passing and another black person pull you to the side and be like, hey, this is what this sounds like. I know that's not what you meant. Yeah. And sometimes you need that direction because you don't know. Right. And it's only so much you can code switch and, and get out of your language. And Right. And I, I feel, I, I'm hoping it's not because he's trying to leave the Texans, you know, like that, that's kind of crazy to do a slander campaign. But I mean, you'll have to see how it plays out because it, it's so many people that can be in trouble for that, if that's the case. There's so many people that need allegations pulled up against them, if that's what you're going to base it off of. And it's, and it's, I think about, I got in trouble. Um, I mean, grown now. I got in trouble when I was in eighth grade. The very last day of eighth grade, I went and hugged every single teacher that taught me. And I hugged them and I said, you know, this is my last opportunity to hurt you. And I meant that from, because I had this parent-teacher conference with all my teachers and they all sat in the room and told my mama that they believed in me and it just hurt them when... Um, when I didn't do the right thing or some bullshit like that, whatever. Um, I look back on the bullshit. So I gave everyone a hug and I said, this is my last time to hurt you. Thank you for believing in me, not giving up on me, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> one of the teachers took that to the SRO and wanted to file charges for assault. It's a true story. True for story. hugging you for me hugging them and saying that this is my last opportunity to hurt them one teacher said i hugged them so hard that i gave them a migraine it's like what the hell so they apparently my mama somebody else one of the other teachers told my mama about it and like she my mother literally beat my ass with a flagpole 
one of the flagpoles, like the they the people twirl, you know, talk no. about. Yeah, my mama beat my ass. I still have a bruise or a mark on my arm from the way she beat my ass because she told me how stupid I was. And the only reason I didn't go to jail was because three of the teachers I hugged were black. And they sat in a room when all of the teachers were in the room together. Or two of them were black. And they had to advocate and say, that is not what that child meant. They tried to get you off the path early. Like, that's not what that... And that, like... That was such an eye-opening experience and how important it is to have other people in the room. Because imagine if neither one of them are in the room. It's important to have other people in the room that look like you because it is, like you said, it goes so many different ways. Right, because then... I'm learning that now the hard way, you know, like anything you say can be taken another way. And it's because somebody might not like you, or they might feel like you said something a certain way. And it's just like, how much, how much can you curtail yourself? You know? Like, and I wasn't one of the, I wasn't one of the kids that the teachers didn't like. So imagine if I was one of the kids that they oh, didn't you like. Been, you would have been in so much trouble. Or if that goes through um and now here i am 13 with an assault charge for giving a teacher hug but that's also why it's important that we as coaches especially young african-american coaches who get in front of people can use our influence to try to talk them out of it so have you seen anything like that where you have had to find yourself so relatable with a with a volleyball player or even with a student that you come in contact with that you've had to pull them to the side and say hey look I see it. I understand it because you, you've already said like you hear conversations that you have to put in the back of your mind. But have you ever felt the inclination to go and say, hey, I just don't think that this is from from sister to sister. I could be your big sister. This is just something I see that scares me. I don't want to like cause conflict for saying it, but. The, the club I predominantly work for is, um, is predominantly white. So it's got a mixture of kids in there, but it's predominantly white, which is fine because it is what it is. So that conversation in that arena, as far as like a sister to sister moment has not come up for me, if, if anything. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fight with that. Like it's all, it's a big fight and, and, and it, and it sucks to be in that situation sometimes because it's like, you know, I'm looking around for somebody who might try to hear what I'm saying or see the, see the little small things, you know, like maybe a microaggression or like, you know, like just those small things. And I don't, you know, I don't get that. So I haven't been able to really deliver that in that way. But now if I go to the public school that I'm, I'm, I, you know, coach, I have, I could have a little bit of those moments because we're, we're kind of all like in the same demographic, you know, minority. So I can say those things. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's as easy as like, Hey man, like, you know, what you got going on? And that simple me saying what you got going on allows them to speak to me. But if I go over there, if I say what you got going on, it, it might sound aggressive. And it's like same tone, same thing, but it just depends on where I am. So that that moment of being able to relate it is very rare. But I I wish, I wish, you know, like I wish I could have those moments. It would be easier. But sometimes too, with kids, you can't really get involved with them because they don't, you know, they don't have that. If you don't have the relationship, it comes off so much worse. Even if they are they look just like me you know so I hope that made sense like I wish I had it and sometimes I do and I'm able to relate but then sometimes it's a lot of just you got to watch what you say and like hopefully they pick it up and if they don't don't take it personal and keep it moving so let's do this segue so (laughs) I really should prep people before I ask them certain questions so you've got preacher in you uh you know you have a preacher in you i do i thought Um, i was gonna be a preacher when i was a little kid i definitely thought i was right and you definitely have the have the the juice i never forget we're in a conference or something and they were talking 
<laughs> you, do you remember that? And they were asking if preachers should cuss at people or something, something, something. And you were like, yeah, I, I think sometimes you need to get a person to face and say, motherfucker, you need to get your life right. <laughs> because you do. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that might my be the goodness. only way you, I've gotten so much, oh my God, I've gotten in so much trouble for saying those things in like a church setting. But I feel like if you don't talk to people, you know, and, and, and really get with them, sometimes the message can't be received, especially if you're talking to a certain group of people. Like everybody doesn't, everybody don't receive the message the same way. So you can't deliver it the same way. So where are you at in your journey? Because you aren't going to be able to run forever and you know you got it in you. So, um, and you know you have the gift to see beyond what people are showing. Um, I see it in you. I see it in your interaction. So what is that like? What is like, what is that like toiling over, over the gift? It's a lot of push and pull. It's a lot of push and pull because you're a certain way and you have that. And then you might've done some things that go against that. So you don't think you have the authority for me personally to actually step into it. Cause it's like, like I didn't done all that and how I'm going to tell somebody how to maneuver or how I'm going to tell somebody to do this. So it's always like, it's in the back of my mind, but I don't ever, I never bring it out unless somebody asks for it or I feel it. You know, I'm never going to just, I'm finna, I'm finna pray for you. I'm never going to do that. You know, like we're in an age now where, you know, people don't like that. And you don't want to be like somebody who who's seen as like, you know, they putting that on me. No, if you come to seek it, I'll give it to you. But oh, it's, it's definitely a, it's a fight, I will say. It's a fight. Do you feel like there are some things that are, oh, this might be way off in perspective, but we're here now. Do you feel like there are things that God is holding back from you until you fully embrace? For sure. Most definitely. Like, yeah, most definitely. I tell people all the time, I'm a saint, but I got a few center problems. Yeah, and it's uh, like, unless you I got a lot of center problems. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with you. You know, you won't, you won't get it until you're ready for it. And I've also learned that there are certain people I'm allowed to be myself with. And certain people you are not. Certain people who, who could never, ever, ever if they really met me, and and I and that's and that's one of the oh I think you I I think you'd be you oh boy <laughs> yeah if, if if I was talking to somebody and they they said something to me and I really had to catch myself because I realized they don't know me they know an image they yeah. know a perception I think, that's, I, they I think the suckiest part for you for you that I think that's always the suckiest part because you're you're an all around person. And I think people always kind of like box you in that one little section. And if you deviate from that one little section, like you get, you get nailed. And I'm like, dang, like he should be able to speak honestly, because at the end of the day, like he's not, you're not Jesus. Like you're not, you're not God. Like that's not your place. Like you're a human. And I, and I still say not a lot of times. And that's for my mama's sake. Cause she'd be like, you'd be about to say stuff. And then people, you know, I don't forget people. Blah, 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 oh, blah, God. blah. And you always make Clay Risky you. come out of me. You always make uh, my daddy come out of me. I almost said, okay. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you almost lost but me. <laughs> people, people don't understand that, that I, I, I'm still going to say what I want to say. I'm still going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And that God does not call, God does not call the qualified. He, he qualified qualifies who he called. And um, I don't think people get that. And that's with I everything think, in life. I think people get upset about that. I think people get upset about that they a person can do all this horrible, heinous, heinous, as in, you know, their mind, it's horrible, and still come out on top. I, I think people can't live with that. As much as they say they, they support, and, you know, I'm glad you're doing it, people don't like that. And you see it every day. And you see certain situations that certain people get into that, you know, actually are rough around the edges. They don't like it, but it's unfortunate. You know, you're going to have to live with that. But God uses people who are, you know, ugly, damaged, you know, all that stuff. And, and you'll see the gold come out of it. So 
and and I don't get people that root for how do I want to say that root for people to fail I know there are people who can never say congratulations or good job to me or that I enjoyed that oh that would just eat them up because they are waiting for the stumble they are waiting for the fall they are waiting for the I get this crazy and it's kind of off topic and I'm rambling I get people all the time ask me oh you haven't done this that in the third year oh you're doing this or your marriage is still fine with this or you still and I'm like I wouldn't give you the satisfaction yeah of being the person who brought that out of me yeah and um yeah that's just I'm so sorry that's I'm sorry that's your fight you know like but just, like that that's really what you you want to be and and you and maybe you and even from a woman's perspective do you ever feel like you encounter people who purposely try to invoke angry black woman in you just to say ha I told you she was an angry black woman yes I've had people try to to make my aggression my natural aggression seem like it's violent like my natural candor of talking I've had people flip it even I've even had like you know men not my natural way of being flip it so yeah I mean it's a lose-lose sometimes that's why I said some of the time this trash can't because it's like no matter what you do you could be a you could be a woman who's who's comfortable with herself they use it against you you could be a woman that speaks they use that against you you could be a woman that's submissive they use it against you so you don't win in any of it so you might as well do what you're gonna do like you might as well go ahead and just ride this race and be as authentic as you can be because somebody's gonna be upset so oh well you know be upset so i always like in the perspective like this especially when we have guests and um i have not seen for longer than two minutes nicole in nine days it's crazy when you think about it no it's not crazy like we have a schedule like that you really don't see people we have seen each other maybe a total of two minutes in nine days so how did you how do you deal with that how do i deal with that you know, like, how do you not, how do you not throw a relationship away behind that? You know, like, cause you know, a person's going to be busy and you know, like, it's ugly. But it, <laughs> it, it goes back to marrying the right person. Yeah. Um, if I would have married or entertained other women. It would have been a um, mess. Yeah, no, they weren't, like, <laughs> they weren't okay with, they would not have been, um, that the only other way would have to have married or been with a woman whose schedule was or is as active as mine yeah it's, it's the only way it works but because we are polar opposites it um at least she doesn't show that it bothers her it might maybe i need to be a better man and, and notice if it bothers her um but going nine days and seeing somebody maybe a total of two or three minutes that's uh, horrible it's hard. It's, 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 um, it's, it's a lot to balance. Um, because what now you got me on my own couch, <laughs> because <laughs> it's, especially with me, because I interact with so many other people yeah. throughout the course of a day, mm -hmm. or I'm in conversations with this person or that person. I have to make sure that I don't give somebody else what is Nicole's. Of course. And and I don't mean that just in a sexual standpoint, but there are pieces of my mind, there are pieces of my thought processes um, that belong to her. Mm -hmm. And I and I have to catch myself. I'll be in a conversation with somebody and we're just talking, and I'm like, this is this is something I need to share with her. Mm -hmm. Can't I'm not, and I don't, and then then it. So it builds up. It has its challenges. Um, it has its challenges. And and I think if I would have, I can I can tell you, and there's nothing I should say on this podcast. I know if I wouldn't have been with Nicole, the woman, if the woman I would have married, if it wasn't Nicole, 
I know who that is. I, I, and she know who she is. But there are times when I know that she would not have given me the space Nicole gives me to be who I am. Yeah. Does that make sense? And no, and it so makes I know, perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Because the person that you might have wanted to marry, they might have, it was fun. And not wild. want it, because I married who I wanted to marry. Now. Yeah. But you get what I'm saying? Like it was, it, it makes just, sense. So how do I handle that? Not going nine days and two minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Ooh, chalet. A lot of, uh, <laughs> it takes a lot of self-control. It really, it really takes a lot of self-control um, to not be a little more fluid. But that's not, uh, that's a whole nother episode of Perspective. So I like to end the perspective like this when I have a guest on. If this was your last hurrah, if this was the last time your voice was heard, if this was a clip that we put together in the montage of who you are, what would be the piece of advice you would leave, leave with the um, 4,200 people that this are going to make an impression on, the 18 countries that this has the potential to be listened in? What would you say to them? My advice? Mm-hmm. Just if you're... Your one-liner, your two-liner, your life mantra. What's the thing? What's the what's the what's the one piece of advice? If you could share it with as many pieces, maybe as many people as possible, what would it be? Uh, try everything and don't listen to everybody. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that'd be try everything you can think of, because we only get one time to go. You know, we don't get to come back and redo it. So try everything, no matter what anybody says. And don't listen to everybody. Like, you don't have to. They don't matter. So do what you're going to do. Stunt, you know? Have a good time. Make good relationships. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Really, don't worry about it. Just do it. Yeah, that's what I would say. Well, there it is. I told you all that this was going to be a good one. I hope it lived up to it. Um, So until next week, I love you. There is absolutely nothing you can do about it. Peace.